At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Here's the base. Let me break down the baseline. Hiring a new employee, replacing an employee when an employee quits, costs somewhere between 100 and 300% of that person's annual salary. So you've got a $50,000 employee and they quit. To replace them is going to cost you somewhere between $50,000 and $150,000 before you start paying them. See, people are quick to go, oh, well, yeah, 100% because we got to pay that salary to someone else. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the hard dollar salary. I'm talking about the cost of getting someone in that seat. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. What's happening? It's up! Is Thoughts That Rock here again, uh, dropping just tons of wisdom. Like, I don't even know what it's you're doing was- if you're not listening to this podcast, because... We are dropping so much wisdom. Why am I talking like this? I don't know. <laughs> Listen. I'm talking like it was a Seinfeld. Yes, I know. What's the deal with wisdom? Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's. Listen, we're tired, but we're here and we're doing it. Uh, and and uh, it's, it's, it's honestly today's guest is fantastic. Like uh, we barely had to do anything. We could have gone on for hours. And, um, you know, it's, it's rare to get someone so, uh, I guess, funny and engaging and knowledgeable all in the same package. Like you usually get one or two, but, but this is a, the triple threat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is what, uh, Joey Coleman does. I mean, he's, uh, you know, ironically, physically, we haven't spent any time together. He's a part of my uh, speaker group with Michelle Joyce. So mm-hmm. she's got 10 speakers in her stable. And I've met, uh, I guess, two thirds of them. But Joey and I just haven't spent any time together. But you and I both know of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's amazing. He was great. Like you said, the triple threat. He's definitely an award winning keynote speaker. He works for you know some pretty big brands, uh, Whirlpool, Volkswagen, NASA, uh, but he also works with a lot of small up and coming companies, you know, the startups out there and working with founders and workshops. And he even talks a little bit about that on uh, on the show. But he's also a fantastic best-selling author. You know, I think right out of the gate, Wall Street, uh, you know, that they put his first book, Never Lose a Customer Again on their list, literally within a day. And then his follow-up, which I have not had a chance to read yet, but he offered to send you and I some copies, is Never Lose an Employee Again, which is kind of predominantly what we're going to talk about today is on the employee side. But uh, he mentions this as well. He's a former uh, criminal defense attorney, trial attorney, which is Mm -hmm. a big deal. 
Um, he has done some work for the White House. He's held positions with the Secret Service and the CIA. So he's kind of done some stuff. He's been around the block for a while. But to hear his knowledge and his excitement and his passion and his funny, like, yeah, man, it, it, you can see why the guy has been so successful. And we were just honored for him to come on and talk about how to retain and engage employees. That was his thought is how to actually go out there and get your employees to, to like you as a business and stick around longer. And it was, it was eye opening and, and, and strategic in a lot of ways. Right. Just uh, one more day of feeling under accomplished and um, yeah. what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. And that's Welcome. all we need in our guests. Welcome to thoughts Steve. that rock with Joey Coleman. There he is. Joey Coleman is here finally after all the delays. He's who you've been waiting for. Joey, welcome to Thoughts at Rod, brother. Oh, Jim Brandt, it is such a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of both of you individually, personally and professionally. I am thrilled to be here. And thanks to everybody who's joining in, listening or watching on the YouTube channel. Excited to have all of you be part of the conversation as well. Man. Look at that, Brant. We, we, we don't get professionals like this who set this, up our own this show. Is, this is why we haven't grown in four years, because we never thank the people listening. Now there will be thousands of people that are now hitting the YouTube feed, signing up for the subscription so they can hear what's That's going it. on on a regular basis. I love it. I love it. Wait, they can subscribe? What? Yeah, exactly. Subscribe. Subscribe and follow. It's all exciting. Dang it. Four and a half years in, we're going to get this right. This is the year. That's this right. is the year, we hope. Yeah, to be transparent, we had uh, a few laughs before we got started, uh, before even- One or two. Or That's one it. One or two. That was it. I hope we haven't exhausted all of them. I think we've got a, a few funnies still still in the can here. Man, for real though, we, we are excited. I know we tried to do this before and uh, just sort of got delayed as it happens uh, life when you've got three keynote speakers and this is what we do for a living. And hey, when the money comes in, everything gets trumped, but we're here we're excited, man, and, and loving this title, too, because, you know, as you know, my 21 years at Hard Rock and working in HR, when you start talking about retaining and holding on and, and loving on employees to get them to stay with you, man, that is right up my alley for sure. And so, you know, Brant and I talk quite a bit about our audience, and it's a pretty diverse group, but you do have a lot of business people that are, in fact, in this camp, and that fits perfectly with both of your books, actually, part of it with never you know, lose a, a customer again, love that. But today we're gonna focus on how to get employees to, to stay with you longer. So it's three thoughts at Rock on how to retain and engage employees. So could not think of a better person who does this for a living. Man, again, just so gracious that you're spending a little bit of time with us to talk about this. But before you jump in, Joey, what is, um, you know, again, we read your background, but specifically, when it comes to like this topic internally in a business and how to get employees to stay with you, like where, where did you get the majority of your background on that? Well, I've been a small business owner for 20 plus years. So I've had employees and sometimes a lot of employees, sometimes very few employees and kind of the ebb and flow that I think is many people's business life. But I've predominantly spent a lot of time focused on customer experience. Yeah. How do you create remarkable customer interactions? The interesting thing is I was about five minutes into that career when I realized that you can't have a great customer experience if you don't have remarkable employees willing to deliver that experience. Yeah. The challenge I found, to be honest, is in most organizations, customer experience and employee experience 
are treated as two totally separate things managed by two totally separate groups or departments or individuals. And there seems to be very little overlap in the conversation, despite the fact that we're talking about how do you create an experience that makes a human want to spend more time with you? Yeah. I don't care whether they're a customer or they're an employee. These are the same drivers that connect all of humanity. And so after spending a lot of time talking and speaking specifically and more focused about customer experience, I found myself doing even more conversations and consulting engagements about employee experience. And that's what led to the second book. Man, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's the uh, old service profit chain all over again. I mean, people who get it, you know, the Tom Peters of the world who've been talking about this for 40, 50 years. They go, listen, if you take care of the employees, it'll parlay, it'll it'll extend over to the customer, the guest or the member or whatever you call your end user. So yeah, man, right on right on tap. And and Brant and I, you know, Brant, you can talk about this, uh, you know, with our uh, our book marketing company with Buki Call, you know, that, that was the same thing. We had to really focus on the, the authors, the publishers, the end users, but we know just having a great team and really loving on them is really our secret sauce, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. You're only, as good, you're only as good as the team, right? You never outperform your inner circle. And so that's the, uh, that's the truth. We've, we've seen it straight across the board. Exactly. Well, let's do this, man. Let's, let's get to the meat uh, of, of your topic. What are some three thoughts? We'll start with the first one on how to retain and engage employees. What's the first one? Alrighty. So thought number one is you need to pay attention to every step in the employee journey. I understand that there's a lot of different, you know, phases that an employee can go through. I happen to believe there are eight, but if you're not paying attention strategically and tactically to each phase, employees are going to slip through the cracks. And when they do, it becomes unbelievably difficult to get them back. And so I think the first thing we need to do when we pay attention to all eight of those is to map out that employee journey. Mm -hmm. And and what are the eight? Can you rattle those off? Can you give us a little bit of- Absolutely. So yeah, so I'll I'll give you a little taste and I'll do this as quickly as I can, which is going to make it feel like a fire hose, but bear with me. We can come back and dive into whichever one seemed most interesting. And as a preview, all- (laughs) I love it. All eight of these phases start with A. And the idea is not to confuse you, but rather to say that it's like presenting a series of courses to your students, i.e. your employees, and you want to get straight A's. You want them they're the teacher. They're grading you on whether you're getting straight A's in each of the phases. So these are the eight phases. The first phase is the assess phase. This is when a prospective employee is trying to decide whether or not they want to come work for you. They're checking out your job listing, your advertisement. They're going on the careers page or the about us page on your website. They're going to LinkedIn and seeing who else they know that works at your company. They're submitting their resume or their application. They're going through your interview process. These are all the areas where we're assessing them as a candidate, but we forget that they're assessing us as an employer as well. We then come to phase two, the accept phase. Now, the accept phase has two component parts. We accept that this candidate is the one that we would like to have join our team. And if we're lucky, we extend an offer that they accept. And so they transition from being a prospect to being an employee. Almost immediately after that happens, we go to phase three, new hires remorse. 
Now, I imagine most folks listening or watching are familiar with the concept of buyer's remorse. New hire's remorse is the exact same thing, scientifically proven that when we accept a new job offer, we begin to doubt the decision we just made. So phase three is referred to as the affirm phase, where we need to affirm their choice that they made to accept our job offer. We then come to phase four, the activate phase. I call this the activate phase because we got to energize the relationship. This is the first real moment of truth when they show up for that first day on the job. It's the only phase in the eight phases that is one day in length. And the secret is to make that day so memorable, so remarkable that years later, they still remember with very positive and happy thoughts that first day on the job. We then come to phase five, the acclimate phase. Now, friends, I'll tell you, this is where most organizations really start to fall apart because the typical organization isn't doing onboarding. They're doing orientation. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's where the bathrooms are. Here's the department you work in. This is where we like to go for lunch. Those same conversations occur if you go on a cruise. That's orientation. Here's where the bathroom is. Here's where the fire extinguisher is. Here's where you get your food. Onboarding needs to be more strategic. We need to think of onboarding in terms of weeks and months, not hours or days. What are we doing to get someone up to speed and help them acclimate to our way of doing business? We then come to phase six, the accomplish phase. This is when the employee starts to achieve the goals they had when they originally decided to accept your job offer. Now, pro tip here, their goal is not just make more money. They have a vision of what they want to achieve professionally and personally. And as employers, we need to track that and then celebrate with them when they hit those milestones. We then come to phase seven, the adopt phase. This is when employees become loyal to us and only us. They're not going to answer that call from the recruiter. They're committed. They're bought in. They're part of our culture and they're contributing to our culture. And last but not least, the eighth phase, the advocate phase, when they become a raving fan, singing our praises far and wide. They're writing reviews on Glassdoor. They're referring their friends and their colleagues and all the smart people they know for any open positions in our organization. The last thing I'll say about these eight phases is all too often as employers, we want to take them from phase one to phase eight in a matter of two or three days. Mm when the reality is we need to give it time. We need to let it marinate. We need to let this you know, crescendo over the course of the entire song with them instead of just jumping right to the closing riff. Hmm. I love that. I think it's really interesting, Joey. So, you know, the sort of the structure of the values work um, that I do with my clients and uh, it, it's really, it, what's interesting is it aligns, but in very weird ways with what you just said. So we start with the assessment phase, which is really assessing what their values are, right? So that's the first thing you got to find out what matters most to the people. If you want, you, you can't care for your people until you know what your people care about, right? Like that's how we approach it. Um, the second part of it is acceptance, but it's, it's different. It's moving from self-awareness to self-acceptance, right? It's not just being aware. It's actually accepting that this is who you are. And then the third part is activation, which is, can we activate these values to build bridges to organizational values so that you have a deeper, more meaningful connection with work. The, the other thing that I think is really interesting. So I was just speaking at a, at a founders, uh, summit of a friend of Jim and I's, um, Kathleen Wood, and, um, they had, uh, someone there whose uh, daughter had just started working for Chick-fil-A. 
And I, I just love this uh, because I, it, it was interesting. You know, Jim talks about Chick-fil-A a lot in his talks and, and they're a shining example for a lot of different things. But what I thought was really interesting was he, you know, after the first day, he was like, you know, did they, what did they walk you through work in the register? And, and, and she was like, no, no, they didn't do that. And then the second day, did you, did you get to the register? No, no. It was the fourth day before they ever got into the nuts and bolts. Everything before that was about the culture, was about understanding who they are, why they do what they do, um, and letting them sort of connect their own dots. The interesting thing that, that I heard was they never told anyone to say my pleasure ever during training. Mm. It's just there. And by the end of training, they do. And it's just that thing. They do such an incredible job of exposing you to who they are and what they believe um, that it is their pleasure by the time training is over. Um, it's in the training manual, but they never tell anyone to actually say it. And that um, oh, I, I thought was just the power of a, a company who understands and gets what it's like for not just new employees, but I think it's, it's probably in, in Jim, you can speak to this more than, than me, but I would think in food and beverage, a lot of times it's someone's first job. And so their first initial job is such an important, it's, it's, it's more than just a job. It's your first job and it's your chance to make an incredible impression on this person um, as to what good work looks like, right? What, what working for a good company feels like. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I, do you find that to, to be the case? I know it's hard. I know companies want to like, well, we got a week and even, I mean, we're sitting here talking about four days is amazing before they get to the, to the register. I know we want them to take it, you know, five weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, six months, you know, really. And, and I, to their credit, you know, they don't have a hard time finding employees. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. And Very they, true, which, which, with Chick-fil-A yeah. at least. Yes. I think yes. a lot of other places do. Yeah, I, I, a couple thoughts come to mind, Brian. I mean, number one, I love that. I love the idea of uh, reinforcing the culture by what you do instead of by what you tell people they have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Culture is not policies. Culture is not scripts. Yeah. Culture is a way of living. And yeah. Chick-fil-A is certainly a, a brilliant example of that. I also think there's this interesting juxtaposition of we want our new hired employees to be with us for a long time. Yeah. Yet so many of the things we do in the early days are counterproductive to that goal. Let's fire hose you with a lot of information. Let's throw you into the deep end and go ahead. You'll figure it out and swim <laughs> instead of pacing it and building it over time. We would never take a kindergartner yeah. and say to them, so if you want to succeed today, you're going to have to do algebra. Yeah. Like it would just be crazy to do that. There's no expectation. And yet that's how many employers approach their employees. We want you to be performing at this high level. Yes. I think there's also a balance of employees think that their job is to do. Mm. So many employees come in and they're like, I need to be on the cash register because that's how I provide value. Chick-fil-A's value proposition is not an effective cash register. Yeah, yeah. It's an experience of what it's like when you go there, that you feel taken care of, that yeah. you feel appreciated, that you feel valued, that you get quality food with a quality experience. Those are the things that are actually the distinguishing marks for Chick-fil-A, yeah. not the cash register performance. Now, don't get me wrong, because I'm sure there's some folks listening in and they're like, but Joey, the cash register is really important. How else do we make money? I get it. 
And that shouldn't be the thing we lead with. We shouldn't lead with the transactional aspect of our business. We should lead with the aspect of our business that is going to be most transformational for the customer as well as the employee. Yeah. Joe, when you're when you're uh, in your workshops, or even I guess as a keynote speaker, if you were talking about this concept, especially with your new book out, uh, these these eight steps to engage your employees, I would guess that most of your audience, even if they're I don't know entrepreneurs or they're middle managers, like they can clearly see. I mean, it's great that you put them in the A's because that'll help them from a retention standpoint. They probably, I would guess, to some degree are going through each one of those. And there's probably one or two where they're like, geez, we're not doing that or we're not doing it right or whatever. I don't know if you wind up just in the way that you defined each is almost clear enough. But if you could almost get them to talk about a strategy, like maybe they're crushing it in seven out of the eight. Maybe they've got half of those. But if they can clearly focus on those, you almost don't have to spend a lot of time talking about sales and marketing and the customer experience, right? If they just did this, do you find now with your new book with, I I would guess a new talk, we haven't talked about that before, but do you find that there's probably going to be a groundswell of a lot of people wanting this first, knowing that it's the root of getting to the customer experience that, that you're probably famous for, right? Well, I appreciate that, Jim. Yeah, it's an interesting balance, right? Because again, going back to that observation I made at the outset, customer experience and employee experience historically have been seen as two totally different conversations, as opposed to what I see them as, two sides of the same coin. As you improve the employee experience, your customers are happier because they walk in and they're dealing with happy people. If you've got miserable employees, the customer experience is absolutely miserable. We've all walked into that place where it's like, oh my gosh, they hate working here. And guess what? I'm going to hate being a customer here. And so the interconnectedness of customer experience and employee experience is something that I think we understand when we think about it, or if we get quiet and we're like, well, of course, that logically makes sense. But systematically and structurally, most businesses don't have those two approaches intertwined. And that's where, you know, my hope is that to have people think a little differently about this starts to make the shift. Now, what I will say is when you mention, you know, oh, when they look across the eight phases, what do they feel? Absolutely. The most progressive leaders and managers that I come across are like, oh, my gosh, we've got room to improve all eight. Yeah. We then have some. The next most common response is. Well, Joey, I'm only responsible for two of those. I can't be held responsible for the other six. It's like, well, okay, let's have a separate conversation about that. But what I really think is the eye-opening, illuminating space for most people when they first start to explore this is how many of the phases they're doing nothing in. Yeah, Like that Mm. affirm phase, most organizations do nothing in the affirm phase. You accept the offer and they say, Brant, great, you're going to, you accepted our offer. Woohoo. We'll see you in two weeks on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next time you hear from me is when you show up at 9am two weeks from now. And all of that time is filled with Brant doubting the decision he made. (laughs) He's going, ah, what's it going to be like when I show up? What do I wear? Am I going to make friends? Are they going to make me do stuff the first day? How can I be prepared? I want to show up right and make a good first impression, but I don't even know what that is. And all of that chatter, all of that mental angst and worry is decreasing their experience. And then they show up. And in many scenarios, the first day isn't that great. 
Yeah. In most businesses, you show up the first day, half the people don't even know it's your first day. Yeah. They usher you into a conference room where it's like, hey, read these manuals, fill out this paperwork. We're going to show you some videos about sexual harassment that were filmed in the 70s, yeah. but just go ahead and watch these and we'll have a Q&A later. And it's just like, oh my God, if we were designing something to be a terrible first impression, it would align with what most organizations do as day one on the job. Yep. Yeah, huge opportunities for improvement. To be fair, those harassment videos in the seventies were pretty cool. Like they're class. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 ironically funny now. now. But let's stop it. Let's stop and think about this. And I'm a recovering attorney, right? So yeah. let me preface this with: you've got to follow the legal requirements in your jurisdiction. And some places, because of the industry, because of where they're located, have different legal requirements yeah. about what has to happen on day one. However. The opening volley is we're going to talk about sexual harassment in the workplace. I'm not saying it's not real and important and a significant conversation, but the message that sends to your people <laughs> yeah. is this is something you should be worried about having happen here. That's right. That's the, that's the subtle that's right. underlying message. That's right. And so it's like, okay, I understand we get, need to give this attention and focus. Absolutely. Please don't misunderstand me. We just need to contextualize it a little bit instead of somebody putting someone in a conference room by themselves and saying, watch these videos for the next hour and then I'll come back and treat you like a human yes. again. It just yes. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Welcome, pervert. Yeah. Here's your first assignment. It's just problematic <laughs> in so many ways. I want that shirt. Welcome, That's pervert. Right. Just... What a great start. This is awesome. Listen, we will be right back after this message. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. All right, man. We're talking about 11 Thoughts at Rock, apparently, with Joey Coleman. This is, uh, <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, man, if you haven't already gotten your money's worth, uh, yeah. Well, let's, get, let's go to your second thought, man. What is your second thought that rocks when we're talking about retaining and engaging employees? Already, we're off to the races. So I have to admit, I teased this one a little bit in the first thought, but it's when we think about that acclimate phase, right? That fifth phase in our process, right? Which starts on day two on the job and lasts for weeks or months. The big thought here is, Take your time acclimating. Stop rushing to tell a new employee everything that's ever happened in the history of your business, all the possible permutations of what they might deal with in their role. Take the time to make it clear what their role is, what their responsibilities are, what the requirements of the job are, and the relationships that they need to be building within the organization to succeed in that role. So kind of the four R's when we were kids in school, we had reading, writing, and arithmetic. These are the four R's, right? Of their role, the requirements, the responsibilities, and the relationships. Mm -hmm. And build this out over time. 
you should be thinking of the acclimate phase as being ideally 30 to 60 days, Mm. not three to six hours, Mm. which is what most organizations do. Wow. I think this is, so I, Jim, I immediately think of Allie Levine. Um, So, you know, Allison Levine, the queen keynoter um, is she's a dear friend, love her to death. Uh, You know, one of the things that she, that she talked about in, in her sort of the talk that she is known for now, she's doing a couple of new ones, but uh, talking about climbing Mount Everest is uh, this idea of acclimation. You can't just start at the bottom and climb to the top. You have to go to the first camp and then you have to come back and you have to go to the second camp and then you have to come back. And it's just letting your body acclimate. Otherwise you will die if you just try to straight to the top without letting your body acclimate to the, you know, to the uh, height. Brent, that's so true. And I think the thing that many people who haven't seen Allison's amazing keynote and talk on this Mm -hmm. is they think they've heard of base camp. They've heard of camp one, camp two, camp three on Everest. Like they have a vision of this, but their perception is you go up. Yeah. You go from the base camp to the yes. first one, to the second one, to the yes. third one, you summit and do, 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 you're done. Yeah. It's like, no. And then they say, oh, wait, oh, you come back. Oh, I get it. You go up to one and then up to two and then back to one and then up to two and up to three and back to two. No, you're coming back down <laughs> yes. every single time. Yeah. Yes. You're going all the way. And, and that analogy is so apropos for the employee experience. Mm-hmm. We flood them with information. And we presume that their retention allows them to build day after day after day without ever going back and reviewing where we were, Hmm. without ever coming back to the basics, without ever coming back to, remember what our core underlying principle and fundamental here is, right? My pleasure. It's about serving. We're coming back down to that base level needs to be part of our acclimation strategy. Love that. Yeah. You know, and it it reminds me of, again, when I was working at Hard Rock, one of the things that we did is spent way more time on the purpose, the values, the mission. It's very, I would say it's Chick-fil-A-like, but I mean, they have really taken it to the next level. And we wish, we all wish for the sake of just being consumers that more companies would do this. But I was fortunate to work for a brand that not only allowed people to look and be and say and do whatever they wanted to within the, the, the values but as long as they they understood those guardrails, those values and how critical they were, you had the entire playing field. You could go and have fun because that's that's sort of the spirit of, of rock and roll. It's very fuzzy and at all costs, let's get that guest to fall madly in love with us as a brand or you as a leader or an individual, whatever it is. So I was so thankful that we spent more time. But even now, looking back and, and, and taking those four R's on that, I even think we could have spent more time. Of course, you're going to get a bunch of financial people that are like, man, that that is you're, you're wasting so much money. Well, I would guess I'm going to take a leap here. I would think you probably then just tie it to turnover and go, geez, we just reduced turnover. Let's just pick a percentage. Let's say at, at least a hard rock, you reduce it by one percent. That that's potentially millions of dollars. If it's a millions rocket, of dollars and you just yes. reduce it 10, 15 percent in a small up and comer you're still going to be saving a ton of money. So 
get it right on the front end and it'll save it on the back end. I would guess, right? I see you nodding. Oh, not, not only would you guess, Jim, you would be right. The data proves this, right? Your instinct is proven with data repeatedly across all industries. Yeah. I love it when the bean counters come to me and they're like, oh, well, Joey, we're, we're 30 days before they're producing any meaningful value. I'm like, okay, let me ask this question. How are you tracking meaningful value? How are you, prove to me that your existing way is creating productivity. It's beautiful when you come with a new idea, how quickly someone says, well, prove to me that it financially makes sense. Prove to me that it's going to work. I'm like, I'm happy to, but you get to go first because we're doing it your way. <laughs> so we should have the data that proves. And suddenly everybody gets real sheepish and yeah. is like, well, uh, we've always done it this way. Oh, that's a great answer for why we should keep doing it because that works so brilliantly with any number of social issues we could talk about historically, <laughs> let alone workplace issues. It, you can tell I have some strong opinions about this, right? Exactly. Here's the base. Let me break down the baseline. Hiring a new employee, replacing an employee when an employee quits, Costs somewhere between 100 and 300 okay. percent of that person's annual salary. Yeah. So you've got a fifty thousand dollar employee, and they quit. To replace them is going to cost you somewhere between fifty thousand and 150 thousand dollars before you start paying them. See, people are quick to go, oh, well, yeah, 100% because we got to pay that salary to someone else. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the hard dollar salary. I'm talking about the cost of getting someone in that seat, mm. recruiting, hiring, running them through your onboarding, mm. getting them up to speed again, dealing with all the productivity loss and efficiency loss from the rest of the team when they've got to pick up the slack for the person that left the team, dealing with the fact that now those people are thinking I should maybe leave too. All of these things compound. So I'm a big believer in spending the time to build it right from the beginning creates employees that want to stay for years instead of employees that want to leave quickly. And I'll conclude with this because it's data. Somewhere between 20 and 70% of new hires will quit before the 100-day anniversary. Mm. 20 to 70% of the people you hire will quit before they celebrate their 100-day anniversary in your organization. So this turnover rate... Yeah. This loss is huge across all organizations, all industries globally. And it's something that so many groups and so many organizations aren't even paying attention to. They're not even looking at. So, What's scarier to me than 20 to 70% is that the typical organization has no idea what their percentage is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, this leads to a, a little sidebar question, Joey. I'm just curious on your opinion on this. So, you know, my son Brady uh, just graduated this year from, from UF with a, a degree in computer programming, uh, computer engineering. And, um, you know, it took him six, seven months to find a job, right? Like, I mean, he applied for everything he could, right? At first, of course, you start off and you're shooting all the places you really want to work and then sure. nothing's happening. And so you, 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 you take that down to the next level and it, okay, I can still do this. So, so Brady's taking him six months to get this job. He, he, you know, he's, he's finally got a great job at, at Mears, um, doing, you know, front end web development for them. So fantastic. And he's killing it. I love it. I, and I'm so proud of him. Congratulations, dad. That's awesome. Yeah, right. It's, it's that's a, awesome. He's still on the payroll, but, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> hey, but that's okay. That's okay. You know, slow that's and steady right. wins the race. Right? The slow that's and the steady wins the race. That's right. 
I, I this is this is the frustrating part, and and I'm hearing that last stat. This is where I'm curious of what your opinion is. So I know, you know, he applies at Publix for like a stock, um, you know, uh, analytics sort of person who analyzes the stuff that's on the shelves and blah blah blah. blah. So actually, is that Sprouts? And and you know, he goes and he interviews, um, but like he's. He, maybe overqualified for something like this. And so I understand why companies don't want to hire somebody because it does cost an enormous amount of money to train and all that sort of thing. However, if the person that you hire under best case scenario, somewhere between 20 and 70% of them at the end of a hundred days is gone anyways, why not hire somebody who is overqualified that might actually shine new light on what's going on and present a better, more effective, more efficient way? Because you've never had somebody in that role with that skill set. Is that not something that they should be thinking about? It absolutely is. But I think the challenge, Brant, is, and I say this from a place of respect because I pound my head against this same wall. As an entrepreneur, you understand that. As a CEO, you understand that. Yeah. The majority of people who are doing the hiring, especially in large organizations, yeah. are neither entrepreneurial yeah. nor do they have business leadership experience. Now, I want to be very clear. That's not me being critical of yeah. anybody out there operating in HR or a hiring manager or somebody doing it. It's just we're going to the hiring manager saying, we need a person that has this degree with this skill set, with this job experience, how can we think more strategically about the type of candidates we're bringing in to identify people who might have skill sets that far transcend the requirements of the job, but will provide tremendous value to the organization. That's awesome. Bring us home, man. What is your third thought that rocks? So my third thought is we've spent so much time talking about recruiting and hiring and onboarding and getting people up to speed. Don't forget about your adopters. Don't forget about the employees that are already there. We've mm. got to pay attention to the new ones coming on board. For lack of a better way of putting it, we got to stop the bleeding from them defecting and leaving as quickly as we bring them in the front door. But in the process, we have a tendency to overlook or take for granted our most loyal team members, our adopters, the people that have been there for ages and are really part and parcel to our operations and our culture. Mm -hmm. So in the adopt phase, what we need to do is look to ways to celebrate them professionally and personally. And mm -hmm. this is where a lot of organizations, I think, could make great strides. Yeah. It's on the personal side. Now, Brant was kind enough to share earlier that his son just graduated from college, right? And got his first job. Now, if I'm Brant's boss, which I'm not, and I know that, I should be celebrating Brant's son's accomplishments yeah. to Brant as much as I'm, ex I'm celebrating his accomplishments, Brant's accomplishments at work. Mm -hmm. And when you start to celebrate our team members' families, and their loved ones and the milestones and the accomplishments they're achieving, you shift the conversation dramatically. So many organizations, and I've got some challenges with this, but so many organizations think of, you know, oh, well, our people are our family, you know. Would you celebrate one of your cousin's birthdays, but not the other? Would you celebrate your 
brother's anniversary, but not your sister's anniversary. We, we've got to make sure that we're cutting across our entire organization and looking for ways to celebrate and acknowledge them. Yeah. I've actually shared on several occasions during our show that uh, there was one point in time where I think I had dropped the ball on this, where I was so busy on so many other things. I thought it was so important to get to my emails in my office. And I got really good about parking the car and getting all the way to my office without making eye contact or talking to people, especially people on my team. Because, you know, when you ask them about their family and their hopes and fears and how was their weekend, you know what they do? They talk back. And there goes 30 minutes of a conversation where, you know, sometimes it'd be a couple hours of just saying hello to people, good morning. And when you're the leader, there are people that probably look at that and go, what a monumental waste of time because I have a chatty whoever on the team where if they really thought through, these are the people, they're, they're closer to the front line. They're actually making the donuts. They're doing the work. That was probably the best work out of the entire day because all that other stuff, you can always get to the email and the, the tactical, whatever's on your list, but the relationships and getting them to really enjoy the job, their day-to-day, -day, really trust you as a leader, probably some of the best work ever. I had to have a, a real reset there, but I bet you there are people, wh whether they have a physical building or their, their distance base, I bet they do not do exactly what you're talking about, Joey. They do not go out of their way and think through what would be the best use of my time to love on my people today? And it could be a small question or it could be, I need to spend an hour with this person, maybe one-on-one -on -one just to see what do they want to do ultimately in the future? And can I help get them there through some personal development or just listening to them? So I appreciate you saying that because I do think a lot of companies, they do struggle. They've gotten all the way maybe to the acclimate you know, phase, but they're not focusing on that back end of, of the, uh, the employee life cycle. Absolutely. And I think one one question that I might encourage folks to consider is when you go in on Monday or you log in, if you're a remote operator, you log into a Zoom call with your team on Monday. And one of the first questions we might ask is, how was your weekend? Juxtapose that against me saying to Jim, how was the birthday party? Mm. Or to Brant, mm. how was your son's soccer game specific or whatever it may be something that's hyper specific. Now yeah. the difference between how was your weekend and how was this specific thing is you knew on Friday what they had planned for the weekend. Mm -hmm. So now the conversation becomes much more focused. Now I get, if you have a larger operation, this gets more challenging, but let's pretend that you have 500 employees and you're saying, well, Joey, there's no way I can know what every employee does on the weekend. Fair enough. But do you know what your top four direct reports were doing this weekend? Because I'd be willing to bet you don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet you're ready to jump right into, give me this week's report. What were last week's numbers? What's What are our rocks? Where are we mm -hmm. going? Do, to do, do. Instead of, oh, they have a life outside of work that if you take a vested interest in that, now we're changing the type of conversation and we're acknowledging the role that work plays in their lives. Work is not just somewhere where we go from nine to five or nine to six. We're increasingly nine to nine, right? Work ends up being the majority of our waking hours. We owe it to our people to acknowledge their other waking hours. What are they doing for their hobbies, their interests, their families, their significant other, their kids, their parents, their pets? 
any number of topics you could talk about that will just light people up because it's an aspect of their personality that they take pride in and have connection to that we don't have as much connection to as their employers. Mm. We need like three hours. We need three hours with Joe is what we need. Yeah. And the whole, the whole episode is nothing but mic drops the whole time. <laughs> I know. Actually, we need to have him come back and talk about the customer journey. And and Joey, I'm going to be disappointed if there's not like eight steps and they all start with the same letter. That better be. You know, ironically, Jim, there are. And that's, that's the crazy thing. So for anybody who hasn't read the first book and wants a preview of the first book, let me explain it. It's the same eight phases that you were using externally with your employees or internally with your employees turned externally to your customers. Same thing. Why? Because humans are humans. I don't care if you're a prospect, a customer, a vendor, an employee, a business partner, a coworker, a colleague. It doesn't matter. Humans are humans. And if we meet people where they are emotionally and where they are mentally and where they are physically, we can take them on a journey with us that has wonderful outcomes. Love it. Love it. You know, it's funny. It's uh, as we wrap up here, I think about these big brands that you've worked with, like NASA and Whirlpool. You know, we talked about some VW. You almost wish these things you could get in front of them as a company is starting. You get to the founder at the very beginning and go, let's build it from scratch versus for all three of us. We come in after the fact and we want the big stage and you impact and influence a lot of people. But man, it's like, trying to turn the, the cruise ship or turn the Titanic around. It takes forever, but all you need is a couple people who can gravitate to some of those things. But boy, how nice it would be both on the customer and the employee side to get it early on. That would, that would just be ideal. Joey, where- It is nice. And, that, and to be honest, Jim, that's why I spend so much time trying to speak to entrepreneurial audiences, audiences yeah. of startups. I speak in a lot of schools, business schools in particular, trying to get the word out, to your point, to people early in their career, whether they're an employer or an employee, to say, start thinking about this differently from day one. And it's a lot easier to build a whole body of work around it. Perfect. Perfect segue too. like where if you're any of those industries or beyond and it just resonated with you and they want to get a little bit more information about you or contact you, where would you like for us to send them? So the best places to find me is are as follows. If you like this message, if you want to dive deeper into it, I've got two books, Never Lose an Employee Again, which is what we were talking about today, and Never Lose a Customer Again. Mm-hmm. Both are available in whatever format you like to consume books. You like a hardcover you can take notes in, you're good to go. You like an ebook you can highlight passages in your Kindle or your Nook, we got you covered. If you've liked my voice in this conversation, I will read you the book in the audiobook. So regardless of how you like to consume books, we've got a model for you. The other place to find me is on my website, joeycoleman.com. It's J-O-E-Y, like a baby kangaroo or a five-year-old you know, Joey Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment company, but no relation, joeycoleman.com. You can find videos there, more information about my speaking, my consulting, and some downloadable resources so you can take what you hopefully learned in our conversation today and apply it with your team starting tomorrow. Can you just be our co-host? It's just so easy. You know, (laughs) you're too kind. You're too kind. In my head, I just see this image. You know, when they used to do like the images to get you to say, I see a little baby kangaroo in a tent. And just that's, that's who we're dealing with right now. That's that's basically what I think of me as a small child that likes to act and behave in pictures, Brant. You're you're spot on. That is that is a an easy assessment of me. 
Fantastic. That's how we're going to end the episode. That's it. It's going to be seed. It's perfect. Man, we, we, uh, we, we love watching you from a distance. I can't wait to, to see you actually in action. At some point, that's going to happen. I, I'd love to see you do your thing. But um, I have your first book, but I don't have your second one. I'm going to jump on that. And I was so thankful. Man, Brant and I were talking about it. Just to talk a little bit about business, specifically the employees. We're so thrilled that you just spent a little bit of time with us, man. So really, really appreciate you spending time. Oh, guys, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And actually, if you want to just send me an email with uh, some physical mailing addresses, I'm more than happy to drop copies of the book in the mail to you guys so that you can have those. But uh, I really appreciate you having on me sh on the show. Fantastic. One day, brother. Awesome. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Good. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Das That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.